You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to GEICO than saving you money, GEICO also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the GEICO app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Well, it's going to take us some while. I, I don't want to. I don't want to fool the fans, right? We're going to build this thing the right way. It's it's not a quick fix. I'm not a quick fix. I can't turn it around tomorrow, or I really would be magic, right? <laughs> but I think that what I'm 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 smart enough to understand that if we do it the right way, then we can turn it around. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, if anyone remembers that iconic scene in The Dark Knight where Heath Ledger maniacally says, Want to see a magic trick? I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Well, with regards to the Lakers, that magic trick is a literal one. But instead of a pencil disappearing, Magic Johnson has badoom boom pow made our entire front office disappear in one blink of an eye. 
But to his credit, he has also somehow pulled an entirely new regime out of his hat in just as short of a time. It is with that that we welcome you to another edition, a new strange edition of the Lakers Legacy Podcast where anything goes tonight and we're not sure what happens. We're not sure how to organize ourselves, but Tommy Alexander, you've been great, my friend, but also you're fired. No! (laughs) Just kidding. We're not making wholesale changes like the Lakers are. Tommy, how you feeling? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that I've come down from the low of being uh, fired, I feel pretty good. (laughs) Um, I'm excited about the new regime. It's been like an emotional roller coaster today, so I'm sure we'll get into all that shortly. After the most boring All-Star weekend we've probably had in years. Oh my god, it was horrendous. To follow it up with the last two days has been pretty epic and amazing, and there's only one word we can use to describe it, Tommy. What is it? Uh, let me... Is is it lit? It's lit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so, you know, this, today, uh, I feel like we experienced a week's worth of news and emotions in the span of, honestly, 10 hours, maybe? It was insane. Less than that? It was insane. It was insane. And yeah, we'll get to that all in just a, a minute. We can't even talk right now. Before we get started, though, tonight's episode is brought to you by Steiner Sports, which is very fitting because you can now soon probably find some Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss hand-signed memorabilia nice. uh, because now they are considered memorabilia. So Steiner Sports is the leading provider of hand-signed memorabilia and collectibles on the internet. If you use the promo code ALMIGHTY2017 at checkout, you can get 20% off your entire purchase. So start collecting those commemorative 2016 Kupchak and Jim Bus gear now. <sighs> I say all that, you know, jokingly, but at the same time, we also want to, yeah, you know, thank Mitch Kupchak and Jim Bus for all of their work the last 20 years or so. Is that how long they've been on? Uh, yeah, well, Jim, I guess, technically his entire life because he's a bus True. kid. But um, Mitch, yeah, like... Mitch has been part of the Lake. I mean, he was on the Lakers. Um, so he's been like, I guess, part of the Lakers since like the 80s. Uh, very long time. Yeah. And so they've obviously been part of some of our biggest championship runs that we know of. And so, yeah, we just thank them for their services to the Lakers and we wish them the best, obviously. Besides that, please also follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many under the table insider talks new Lakers GM Rob Palinka has already made with some of his top clients to eventually get them to the Lakers. James Harden. So please rate interview us on iTunes. Okay. With all that being said, where do we want to start here? Because in the span of six hours, Magic Johnson fired Mitch Kupchak, Jim Buss. Wow. He hired a new GM in Rob Palinka, made his way around the radio, TV, etc made a bunch of comments, a lot of which were surprisingly made a lot of sense. And also, Lou Will is gone. Yeah. (laughs) We did it, guys. We did it. It's all because of us. Um, So maybe let's start with the Lou Will thing, because I feel like we have a lot more to talk about with regards to the front office and the direction they've gone in. As was reported by Woj today, the Lakers finally traded Lou Williams, and before that happened, obviously, we had maybe some delusions of grandeur with regards to what his market value was, because a yeah. bunch of different teams said that they were vying for his services from yeah. Indiana to Washington to Charlotte to Utah. It's like eight teams or something. I eight like. teams, and but in all of those cases, the details were vague, right? I think Woj yeah. even said... 
Ramona went on the radio and said there are at least two teams that are willing to give up a first rounder to the Lakers, Mm -hmm. but we never knew what those first rounders were. They could have been a 2018 first rounder. They could have been a 2017 first rounder, highly protected. So the Lakers ended up opting to send Lou Williams to the Houston Rockets with Mike D'Antoni. Perfect system for Lou. In in return, we're going to be getting Corey Brewer back, who's under contract for 7 mil this year and 7 mil next year. But the most important piece in that deal, obviously, is Houston's 2017 first rounder, unprotected. So, Tommy, what do you think about this deal? Were you disappointed at the outset, or are you generally just happy that we finally made this move that we've been talking about since the end of November? I was happy. I think that any hesitation or any reservation that I had about the move was about getting Corey Brewer back, because if you've looked at the details of the trade or if you've looked at Corey Brewer's salary situation, he's on the books for next season. I mean, like even slightly more than we were going to pay Lou. We're going to pay Lou like seven million. I think Corey's on for seven and a half or it's like negligible difference, but he's on the books next year. Um but once you remove that from your mindset, it it's like, I don't know if there was a situation where, like you said, we don't know what the other offers are. Like Washington could have been interested in Lou, but as we alluded to in previous podcasts, their contract situation was even worse than the Rockets. You know what I mean? Like I, the only guy that they could have given us where a one for one swap would have worked out, I think was Jason Smith. And that, I think that contract is even worse than Corey Brewer. So, right. I, we don't know the context and we don't know what kinds of protections people were trying to put on their pick. And by all accounts, it seems like it's been extremely, extremely hard to get a pick in this what's supposed to be. I mean, we haven't I guess we haven't really been following the the later ra- or later part of the round in the draft, the first round, because we just assumed we were only going to have a top three or nothing. Um, but apparently this is supposed to be an extremely deep draft and a really good signal of that is how stingy teams are being with their picks. I mean, Houston of all the trades we've seen so far, besides the obvious, besides obviously the, the DeMarcus trade, Houston's the first team, right? As, as far as I can recall, who gave up their pick without, without any other, you know, I mean, they got, I I guess what I'm saying is like, they got Lou Williams, but they just gave up a pick. They didn't get like a pick back. It, like I guess in the in the Mason, uh, in the Plumlee and Nurkic trade, there was a pick exchanged, but that was different, I guess. I don't know. Do you, maybe I'm not making sense. But the point is, it seems like the picks were kind of hard to come by. And uh, we were able to get one for Lou. And we don't know what the other offers are. But I'm assuming that five guys sitting in a room together fielding all these calls could look up the standings of the NBA on NBA.com <laughs> and, like, figure out which one was probably going to give us the best pick. You know, like, he had Ryan... Magic was then there taking the calls, obviously. But he had... Luke in there with them. He had Ryan West. He had Jesse Buss. Um, he might have. I think he. I even saw he had Joey Buss. I'm not sure why because he's he's with the defenders. But point is, there was a lot of of minds in there thinking about this. And the for people to sit there on at their on their couch at home and say like, oh, is this seriously the best? What like we why didn't we get the Washington first? Do you know that Washington offered a first? Like, were you sitting in the room there? I'm assuming. <laughs> These guys know what they were they, what they were doing, and when it comes down to a first round pick, um, you're you know that's all you're you're guessing who's going to have the worst record, and then taking the pick with the least restrictions on it. And this one was completely unrestricted. So, yeah, to your point, if Washington had given up their first round pick to us, but had protected it all the way up till twenty, 
Yeah. You know, right now Washington has the 24th pick, but if they had protected it all the way up to 20, at that point we might worry that, oh, what if they randomly slip because Bradley Beal gets injured and it does go to 20 and we don't yeah, even get exactly. that pick. We don't even get that pick in the first place, right? Whereas Houston's pick, it was entirely unprotected. And where you, when you're looking at a difference between three or four spots and at the latter end of the first round, you just take that deal as it comes. And I think that's what the Lakers did. They did wisely. And any of the other things that they were talking about prior to that with Magic talking about here, he was talking to 10 different teams and whatnot, you know, that could be the case, but it also could have been posturing to continue to pump up, lose value. And maybe this was the best deal that they could get in terms of for sure, fire uh, value right now. And that's not to say that Houston's going to stay at number 27 like they are right now, because Boston is at their tail end. Um, they're at number 26 and... Because it's unprotected, you know, not to say that this is going to happen, but let's just say James Harden goes down and right. the next 20 games, 20 to 25 games to end the season, Houston slips all the way to 22, you know? Right. Uh, at that point, that's a really great pick. Not to say that that's going to happen, but the fact that it could happen because of the unprotection is there pretty much as a scenario. And then on top of that, like we said, Boston pretty much because of the DeMarcus Cousins trade, I think they have some sort of pressure on them to make a big move because they're one of the team. I mean, I guess 29 other teams could have made a better offer for DeMarcus, right? But they mm-hmm. actively chose to pass on DeMarcus Cousins while easily having the assets to make that deal happen, right? right? So I feel like there's added pressure on them to make a move because they're so close to being at the top of the East and they chose to pass on Cousins. So you'd imagine if there was any team who could go after a guy like Jimmy Butler, it would be Boston. So in let's say in this hypothetical scenario, they do trade for Jimmy Butler, then you'd almost imagine that they do you know, jump Houston. And at that point, maybe we get the 26th pick, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then if Washington retools, who knows as well. So yeah, I think all things considered, obviously my gut reaction was like, oh man, are we just getting Houston's, uh, you know, pick this year? Cause they're pretty good. But looking at the standings, like Houston's not going to jump Cleveland. Houston's not going to jump San Antonio. Houston's not going to jump Golden State. And given all things considered and contextualizing it a bit more, I'm very happy. I don't like Corey Brewer. He sucks. I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really re- to read into the Corey Brewer thing besides yeah. he's not going to play. I, we might even buy him out. I have no idea. Um, but I think to put a positive spin on it, we could look look at it as Swaggy P insurance. If Swaggy P walks and then we still have another wing who can at least play some defense and is at least somewhat athletic. So Hmm. you could look at it that way, but mostly I view it as we just needed to match the salaries and he's only on the same contract as Lou was in the first place. So we're we're not losing out on much. You have to assume if they were willing to eat the seven and a half million dollars next year. I mean, this is these people are like, I mean, two of the people I just mentioned who were in the room are buses. You know what I mean? This is coming from their team, uh, like from their pockets, uh, Corey Brewer's contract for next year. So if all of these people sitting in this room are aware that this is the best trade they could get and it still involves paying Corey Brewer $7.5 million next year, then I just have to think, you know, this is the best they, they could do. Otherwise, they would just wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? They would do something else and maybe we'd get a second rounder. You know, but I... To get the first rounder, they were showing that like the, this was the length they were willing to go to, and and this is the best offer they had. So I I'm going to assume give them the, a little bit benefit of the doubt that this is the best one they had. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, the biggest winners here are. One, Lou Williams, who we found out that he was working out when the trade happened. He was so busy working out that he had his friend pick up the phone call or whatever. And that's how he found out that he was traded to Houston. And he said he's ready to 
pretty much turn it up another level, which is crazy to think for Lou Williams. But he's going to be joining James Harden, and the Houston Rockets are now going to have two of the most prolific free-throw-drawing renegades in the league, which would be really exciting and really fun. He couldn't have gone to a better system with Mike D'Antoni there. Oh, yeah, for sure. So props to Lou Will for being a consummate professional the last one and a half years with the Lakers, actually being a good teammate to D'Angelo Russell in spite of the swaggy P Snapchat stuff. Um, He's been a great veteran, and we're glad that he was a Laker for the time that he was. We wish him the best of luck with the Rockets. Um, Obviously, the biggest winner for the Lakers is Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell. So I'm excited for these guys to finally get a fair shot get fair minutes without having this like unrealistic expectation that they always need to earn it game night in and night out. Uh, They're going to have a chance to play through their mistakes. And also, you know, this is probably going to help our, our tankathon tank mania, tank a palooza directive moving forward. Not, not by a lot because we were losing with Lou anyways, but it's going to help. So yeah, that's where we're going to end the Lou will stuff. It's, it finally happened. Kind of can't believe it, but it's here. We always seem to, in recent years, the moves that we have made, the trades that we have made, always seems to be with Houston for some reason. <laughs> um, whether that be trading for Jordan Hill or getting the number 27th pick from Houston and Jeremy Lin, et cetera, et cetera. So this might be an ongoing thing. So yeah, with that out of the way, obviously the biggest news of the day was the entire restructuring of the Lakers front office and the direction we're going as a franchise Tommy, I guess, what was your initial guttural reaction? Because I think we all had the same one, and it wasn't very positive. I think just because of the timing of it all, it seemed like a cluster F, especially with the trade deadline happening. I think our biggest worry was, can these guys even get anything done? And who is even going to be making the phone calls? You know, I think we were all in disarray. It was a whirlwind, kind of chaotic thing today. So I guess, could you describe your initial reactions? Yeah, my initial reactions were overwhelmingly negative. Um, I just wasn't, I I thought that this is where it was headed, right? And we sort of alluded to this on the last podcast, like based on everything we've heard or like, you know, heard uh, Magic say, based on everything we've seen, based on just like our hunches of how things have been going, it seemed like this was ultimately the direction the team was going was to get rid of at least Jim and just plug ma- uh, magic in there. Um, I don't think any of us expected it to happen before the trade deadline, you know, like, no. like this season, let alone before the trade deadline. So when it happened before the two days before the trade deadline, my initial reaction was like, what the heck are they doing? And then Jeannie had all these quotes. Like I, I waited and I wanted to give him a chance and, I had to let Jim uh, relieve Jim of his duties and I'm only sorry I didn't do it sooner. And I'm like, okay, so you waited all the way until two days before the trade deadline and relieved the two guys who were like primarily behind whatever Lou Williams trade we're trying to make. So I guess my initial reaction was like shock and then tempered by, okay, well, assuming this was going to happen anyway, uh, meaning firing Mitch and Jim and bringing in Magic, if we just trade Lou Williams, we at least break even and I'll just I'll, I'll call it even after that. So but you need to do something to show to me that you're going to still trade Lou Williams and it's not just going to be like, oh, well, Magic took over. There's no time. We have no plan. I mean, he just took over. You know, that I, I was kind of expecting that and I yeah. could not believe how ridiculous it was. And 
thank God it didn't happen. It didn't turn out that way, but right. And I'll admit to overreacting because what else can you do in that situation, right? When your entire franchise right. is flipped upside its head, you're just like, wait, 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 hold on. I thought we were just focusing on trying to get a trade done. You know what I mean? So I will admit to overreacting. Even though immediately after that, we talked and we were like, okay, if they're making such a drastic move like this, you have to imagine that they already have several Lou Will scenarios in their bag that they can just pull the trigger on and it won't affect anything else. So, and that's exactly what ended up happening. Even though we didn't know the other dominoes that were about to fall shortly after just this one move. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service, so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it. Instead, let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level. And with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is. It's not perfect, but it's perfect for him. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. And by other dominoes, I'm talking about the actual hiring of Rob Palinka. He used to be Kobe Bryant's agent and a bunch of other stars' agents. In fact, we heard the news not from Wojnarowski, but from Houston Rockets shooting guard off the bench, Eric Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> so random. Like during a practice interview, pretty much. Uh, and he also is Trevor Reese's agent as well. And all those three guys on the Rockets pretty much just said a bunch of glowing things about Rob Palinka, Inka Tinka, Bogova, na na. Do you, do, you know, do you know where that's from? No, I have no idea. Zoolander. Oh, your favorite movie. <laughs> My favorite movie of all time. So yeah, Robert Palenka, a.k.a. Rob Lowe, literally the Lakers' new GM. <laughs> so obviously all this happened, and I'm going to backtrack and just say, actually, initially we were like, timing is all off. This is whack. I guess the only negative about this is the way that Genie has handled it. I feel like they could have at least released the statement. The Lakers could have at least released a statement like thanking Mitch and Jim for their services. I have no doubt they're going to do that down the line, but it would have been nice to at least see some sort of release like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just kind of like was lost in the fray of things and everything was happening so quickly that they didn't even bother to say, hey guys, by the way, thank you. <laughs> you know, like right. I, I would have wished they would have at least had that. But having said that, even though I was like, timing is all off, timing is bad. I can't believe they would do this. This shows a lot of dysfunction. Actually, now that I look at everything in a vacuum and just the rapid pace they were going at, I guess I'll ask you first. Do you think that a lot of this was planned way ahead of time, including Rob Palinka? I don't know how much was planned ahead of time, but I completely agree and buy that a lot of it was planned ahead of time. Um, and just like you said, I felt a little bit bad for overreacting a little bit and assuming they didn't have a plan because I'm just sort of used to that at this point with <laughs> right. how this front office operates. But yeah, it's like literally from the point that Magic Johnson was announced, it like within an hour, it was like made extremely clear Magic is not also the GM. They're going to hire another GM. And then within the next hour after that, it was made extremely clear that this GM was going to be hired very soon and, you know, definitely before the end of the season. And then like within the same like 30 minutes, 
the rumor was thrown out that it could be Palinka, and then like two hours later, Palinka was hired. You know what I mean? Officially. Yeah, and they like, even threw they even threw out a couple different names like Arm Tellum. You know, yeah. they talked about them trying to solicit Bob Myers' help from the Golden State Warriors, who also mm-hmm. used to be an agent like Arm Tellum. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're going after that sor- same sort of track in terms of hiring an agent, a guy who has relationships around the league, not only with other GMs, but obviously players. Because as an agent, you have direct contact with front offices all around the league, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so before I get into your thoughts about what you think about Rob Palinka. With regards to the timing thing, now I see this as perfect timing because it's clear Magic knew exactly what he wanted to do here because they pretty much gave Palinka a teed up home run in terms of now I see if they had kept if they had kept Mitch and Jim on till past the trade deadline, it would have looked even more awkward if we had pulled off this loot trade and then we fired them and said hey, thanks guys, uh, now we're going to fire you. Here's our new GM, Rob Palinka. Instead, they made sure to fire them first, made Rob Palinka's first, I, I guess it's not officially his first move because they happen in conjunction, but pretty much his first move within his regime, this Lou Will trade, which is what we all wanted to happen anyways. So I feel like they set him up to succeed right off the bat. Do you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. And and that's what I sort of thought might have been the case right when it happened because it seemed like... You know, it's like things happen and then you sort of like work backwards and you look retrospectively and you sort of think like, okay, maybe, uh, you know, maybe like maybe Jeannie was nervous because she knew that Jim was on the way out and and she was like, okay, let's get somebody like I already know it's going to be magic. So let's get magic in there as a quote unquote advisor in the front office. So Mitch and Jim don't like burn all of our assets at the trade deadline. Um, and then number two, it's like you said, it's, it's setting it up. This is the first move of the new regime. Like these trades have presumably been there for like the last week, at least some of them have probably been there for longer. Um, and so this was an easy one to like tee it up and let magic like hammer it out and just be like, okay, Lou Williams clearly has no role on this organ on this team for all the reasons we've discussed. It's nothing against Lou. He's the best bench player in the NBA. And hopefully he does win the six men of the year award like magic tweeted today. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he doesn't fit a role on this team um, and there's no reason for us to keep him. So it makes sense. And it's just like, it works on so many levels. Like it's the first trade of the new regime. It, it affirms the direction we're going. Uh, you know, it gets magic's feet wet, like taking these calls and like seeing how this stuff all really works when you're like in the thick of it, um, which he never has been before. So it worked on a lot of levels, and so I think that's totally what they were doing the whole time. Yeah, and in this sense, Magic, you know, we don't typically like to think of him as this super smart, conniving dude, but he pretty much uh, house of cards everything here. He he played it perfectly in terms of how to set this up, how to set up his first move as head of basketball operations, taking over for Jim Buss, and also, you know, getting Rob Palinka in line, and now pretty much setting this up for the Lakers moving forward to close out the rest of the season, but also move forward in this new, like flash the progress, new wave, fresh new takes kind of thing moving forward. Because we've also learned, obviously Ryan West and Jesse Buss are going to have stronger voices. And those are the two guys who have given, who have given the Lakers their only silver lining the past three or four years. And with regards to drafting well and scouting well, right? So now that we have a helm of, you know, Magic Johnson being obviously the, the masthead, but the guys who are really doing the heavy legwork are going to be 
Rob Palinka, Ryan West, Jesse Buss, in conjunction with Luke Walton. So when you yeah. put it that way, obviously take everything with a grain of salt and be cautious and whatnot. But I'm actually very encouraged. And I'm really encouraged, actually. Yeah, maybe I'm like trying to like tone it down a little bit just because we there's still a lot of unknowns about what Rob Palinka can do outside of right. the fact that he's a very attractive man. <laughs> um, and he looks like Rob Lowe, but... He's good at being really, 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 really ridiculously good looking. <laughs> good one. Um, yes, he is really good at that. But outside of that, let's, let's, let's talk about Rob Palinka for a second and what gives you hope and promise based off, based off of everything you've heard today. Because I think, it, for me, it goes back to the relationships and then also the fact that, one, he's young... And it seems like he's in touch with the NBA, obviously, because he is he is a agent for these players. But also, I've heard he actually knows the CBA as well, which is very right, important. So like an expert because it. Magic Johnson has repeatedly said today that I'm still learning and I'm willing to go to school on the CBA and stuff yeah, like no, that. Which is fine. <laughs> which is fine, right? I doubt Jim Buss was an expert on the CBA. Seriously, right? But it's good that Magic qualified everything by saying it's important that we get someone who's a master at the CBA, yeah. and they ended up hiring Rob Palinka. So I guess, yeah, what makes you so encouraged and hopeful? So the main reason I'm so encouraged and hopeful is because I just have this feeling, and I don't know, again, I'm not in the front office, obviously, or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast, but I uh, I just got this feeling over time that like other front offices weren't respecting us, or there was some disconnect. Um, something, something weird was happening. And I think when you're in a front office, and if you listen to Woj's recent podcast, um, he talks about this as well. It's really important for front office executives to have strong relationships with each other. You know, like it's not all about, oh, let me just call up this guy and say, hey, you have DeMarcus Cousins. I have these three guys. Let's go ahead and make a trade. Like, if you're not friends with people, it it makes it hard, right? Because then you're sort of skeptical and you're like, is this guy trying to pull a fast one on me? Am I really getting the good value? If you have people who like you think you can trust and like are good at communicating and good at explaining like, oh, no, the reason I offered you I'm not offering you Ingram for DeMarcus Cousins, but instead I'm offering you, you know, like Randall and Clarkson or whoever is because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Those things are just as important. You know what I mean? Anybody can sit in a room and pick up the telephone. Um, There's a lot of people who can get, not not anybody, but there's a lot of people who can go out there and evaluate talent, uh, both playing and in the draft. But it takes like a, it's there's a third part of the job, which is I, you need to be able to be a people person and, and have connections in front offices. Besides being a CBA expert, Rob Palenka has relationships with all 30 front offices. He represents some of the most powerful players in the NBA. He represents a ton of role players as well. He's represented tons of players over the years of being an agent. He knows execs in all 30 front offices. He knows who he can talk to. He knows how they think, how they like to deal with with people. Besides that, he also knows other agents, which is going to help in free agency and getting mm-hmm. meetings and, and stuff like that. Um, convincing other agents like, hey, like we're trying to work on this trade. Can Is there anything you can do on your side to give a little nudge, you know, to the front office of your guy's team? He knows players just by his being, in, you know, an agent. You interact with a lot of players. He's very, very, very well connected. And the fact that it's not just going to be him 
but it's also going to be assistant GM Ryan West, who theoretically, this is not confirmed, so don't don't uh, quote me on this one. But if they hold on to Ryan West, which I think they will, um, because Ryan West has a good relationship with Palenka, apparently they they know each other. Uh, you're you're almost like already grooming the next generation. You know, Ryan West is 36, 37 years old. Like he still has a ways to go. And although I think both of us sort of advocated for Ryan West being the next guy in line, I think part of that was we didn't know the next guy in line was going to come quite this quickly. But um, it's also important that like Ryan West as assistant GM, I mean, he just became assistant GM like this past year, as far as I know or can remember. Um, yeah. He doesn't, there's not, like, I have no indication that this guy has a relationship with all the front offices. Maybe he has a relationship with some, but maybe not all. Like, he doesn't really know, you know, maybe a lot of the agents, I mean, except through draft work and stuff. And he's shown that he's really good at scouting um, and and finding guys in the draft. But that's, like, a completely different skill set than what we'd be asking him to do is suddenly you're the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers. So, right. Because Rob Palenka has so much business savvy, I like that. I like putting him there, Ryan West, as as still basically do the, doing the same thing he does right now, which is assisting with the GM stuff, but also you know being in charge of scouting basically along with Jesse Buss. Um, and yeah, I'm I don't know, dude. I I'm pretty encouraged about this front office, like more so than I have been in a long time, only because. With Mitch, I always got the sense, even with this Lou Williams thing that you and I have been talking about for like three months is so obvious. It's like slapping me in the face. And if you've listened to this podcast, you and I both talk about all the time. It seems like Mitch is only exclusively making like the most obvious trade you could possibly make. Yep. You know what I mean? Trading Steve Blake as an expiring contract when he's like literally on the edge of retirement. Um, You know, stuff like that. So having a guy who I have more faith in is like a business guy. Like magic Johnson is a go-getter and he's a personality and he'll be working the phones and talking to people. Rob Palenka understands the business of how this game works and he will be, I, I just have much more faith in him to be aggressive. And then you, the rest of the front office is going to be strong, but like, I feel like Ryan West and Jesse Buss have sort of adapted to this new system that we were trying to build towards before anybody else did because, you know, they drafted D'Angelo and Larry, or they scouted D'Angelo, Larry Nance, uh, even Randall and and all these guys. And it's like they were sort of already angling towards that anyway, it sort of felt yeah. like. So I, it seems like we have a clear direction in the front office and a bunch of guys who are ready and willing to do whatever it takes to get us back to the top and are have have some personality or like, you know, something to suggest that they can get the job done, you know, as opposed to just being Jim Buss with all of his weird quirks and Mitch, who's like super bland and does like can hardly, <laughs> you, you can't get a, you can't get that guy to crack a smile, you know? So it's, it's nice to, it's nice to have this unified front office. No, I think the biggest thing that came out of today, you know, we've given magic a lot of flack for being, purred happily and whatnot but i have to give him props for really you know pushing pedal to the metal is that the phrase but pretty much just going full <laughs> full bore one after another pulling out these moves non-stop and really knowing what he was doing today from whatever he was saying in the media which sounded very solid to just pulling this off in the matter of eight hours and already having our structure set which we did not think was going to happen in 
eight hours. You know, we thought it would at least take a week or two. You know what I mean? But we all of a sudden have the infrastructure in place at the top. And then from there, we just work from there. You know, um, I have an analogy for this, but do you watch HBO Silicon Valley? I, I do watch the show. Yeah. Okay. So in my opinion, Magic Johnson is the investor in this case, right? Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. he is like Ehrlich Bachman of Aviato. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's just going to fund this entire thing. He has charisma. He's going to be part of the negotiations, obviously. He's funny. He knows how to talk and negotiate and all that stuff. But really, the guys who are going to be doing the legwork are going to be Rob Palinka, uh, Jesse Buss, Ryan West. That's the Richard, Richard Hendricks, the Pied Piper crew. You know, they're going to be doing the legwork here. Definitely. Um, so, in that sense, I'm way more comfortable than I was earlier when it was just Magic Johnson. We're like, Oh crap, how much control is yeah, he gonna have? Like how much power is this guy gonna have? And so knowing now that he's really just making sure to put everything in place, almost like a rich dad or something, and then letting the kids go to work is a lot more comforting, a lot more encouraging because the kids he's put to work are actually guys who seem like they know what to do or they know the direction the NBA is going. They're going to have fresh takes. And Magic Johnson is this very rich investor who's kind of like a dad, you know? He's like lame, corny dad, but at least he has the money and he has the cachet to help things chug along well. And I think that's all we could ask for, you know what I mean? If if there are any loose ends that Rob Palinka need, needs help tying up, Magic's going to be there to support him. But in my eyes, it's almost like Rob Palinka is... I guess Rob Palinka in this sense is like Mitch Kupchak, right? But I'm hoping with regards to actual actual personnel moves, it's probably going to be Rob Palinka and Ryan West working in conjunction. Wouldn't you think? Almost in the same way Mitch and Jim did? Yeah, I, I think it's going to kind of be like that. Like, I think Magic... And Magic has said, like, I want to be the last line and I want to be making the final decision. And that's... There's a difference between I want to make the final decision and I want to do all of the work leading up to that decision. Right. There's two ways that you can like mean that statement. One way is to say, I want to be the guy making the final decision and I want to do everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I want to be the writer, producer and director of this movie. Like I'm doing filling, I'm wearing every hat, I'm doing everything and I'm making the final call. And I think that's what we were worried about. But there's another way of saying I want to make the final decision, but being like, I want to make the final decision given all of the opinions of all these really smart people that I've put around me to advise me. You know what I mean? If Rob Palenka, Ryan West, Jesse Buss are all telling Magic Johnson, based on our objective research, this is the guy for this team, you think Magic Johnson is going to say like, oh, actually, I like this guy because he went to Michigan and he's a winner. You know what I mean? Like, look, that's always going to be a risk. That's a risk with any you know, front office executive. Um, but I think right. I, I think that the way that they're building this front office, it's like the way I read it online, and I think I talked to you about this earlier, was I'm cool with Ryan West and Rob Palenka building the car. And I'm also cool with Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson selling the car. And I think that's the rule, that's the roles that these guys are gonna fall into. I think Ryan West at this stage in his career, because he's relatively young, is strictly basketball. I think Rob Palenka is a very, very smart basketball and business mind, but I think he's also got this sales um, side of him. And I think magic is all smiles and sales. And, you know, I'm going to be the guy all these front office execs want to talk to and want to call and and I totally respect that. And I think it I, I really think that the way that it's like we now have this sort of clear established hierarchy it's not this weird thing where like 
Mitch and Jim go sit in a room and they don't tell anybody what they're doing. <laughs> like it's completely a black box with those two. Now magic is like, I want to get you involved. What's your opinion? I want to get you involved. You know, I kind of like that about him. So far. it seems a lot more collaborative and yeah, exactly. I just imagine Rob Palinka whenever he's in some intense heated discussions. I feel like Rob Palinka, instead of a phone call, he'll always have a video conference just so that people can see his beautiful face. And, <laughs> and then when things get down to the nitty gritty, I just imagine the other GM staring into his beautiful eyes and then he hypnotizes them into getting the deal that he wants. Rob Palinka, Inka Tinka Bagovanana, everybody. man you love uh, rob i do so speaking of rob palinka we talked about this earlier but why do you think he took on this role because i heard we you know there were some rumors that he gave up a lot of money to do this so you'd think that because he gave up a lot of money to do this that this is not just another one of those yeah you know i'll kind of preside over some stuff here and there but we think this is like a full-on he's going to have most of the work he's going to do most of the heavy leg lifting yeah i guess can you just speak on that part since i think you know a little bit more about how much money he's giving up and what his role was as an agent entirely i think he gave up his entire business right he gave up literally his entire business i mean he's turned over if you're following woge on twitter today He's turned over his entire business, which is a huge business, by the way, and I'll get into the numbers in a second, but he's turned over his entire business to uh, his current employees, um, and we don't know what's going to happen. I think he's going to roll with that for the rest of the year, and to the extent any of his employees need any care or help with anything, they're going to – uh, sorry, to the extent any of his clients, meaning the players, need help with anything, they're going to rely on all of those people still at the agency. Um, and then as of like this upcoming offseason, they're just going to sell the agency. Um, so Rob Palenka, like for anybody with any ounce of fear that Rob Palenka is just going to come in here because he's Kobe Bryant's agent and he knows Jeannie Buss and like he knows Magic Johnson and he's just going to be like a yes man. Like if there's any part of you that is worried about that stuff, Rob Palinka alone was representing players this year who I think are a total earning like this year over $300 million. Like he was going to make just himself as a salary because agents get paid. I mean, it varies, but I think I read somewhere in sports the the standard for somebody like Palenka would be like 4%, okay? Um, And it might be actually more because he's not just an agent, but he owns the business too. But if assuming he was going to make 4% uh, of his collective player income this year, he was being paid $13 million this year, okay? Over $13 million. He's not going to be paid anywhere near that per year with the Lakers. I mean, I one to two million dollars at most, I think, is especially for a new GM. I think that's like probably market, if not slightly above market. So this guy didn't give up this huge, successful business that he built. You know, he went to law school and put in the work, like worked his way up through the talent agencies with uh, Arn Tellum and then broke off and started his own agency and all this work into this final product where he was the CEO of this company. Like he's not just giving that up plus all this insane amount of cash he's making every year just to come in here and be magic Johnson's. Yes, man. Yep. He wants to, you know, clearly he's motivated by something else. He wants to have a different type of role. He's probably very into, 
you know, basketball. He was on the Michigan Fab Five team. He wasn't one of the Fab Five, but he was on that <laughs> team. Um, you know, he he could have had it. He had a chance to play European basketball when he uh, graduated from Michigan, but he decided to go get a law degree instead, which was his first mistake. But <laughs> he ended up here, so maybe it was okay. But uh, yeah, he, the point is, he had like other opportunities in his life, and he clearly is really, really into basketball and into like the strategy aspect of basketball, the business aspect of basketball, if he's going to make himself a CBA expert, which I guarantee you not all agents are CBA experts. Mm -hmm. Um, And to do all of that and throw all of that away and be like, no, I'm willing to sacrifice all of this and this lifestyle to be an NBA GM says a lot about how dedicated I think he'll be to this job. And that's another thing that makes me really excited because this is a guy who, to get to this point, you don't get to this point by being lucky. You know what I mean? Like, like I have this, some, some agents, I used to work at a talent agency. I interned at a talent agency, not NBA, like sports Mm -hmm. agency, but like just talent. And some agents that I was exposed to, to me, come across as like borderline con artists. You know, they have no idea what they're doing. They just, they kind of are learning on the job and they have charisma and they want to be involved in the industry because it's sexy, you know, and, and you could probably, there are some sports agents who are like that, but Rob Palinka is not one of those people because you don't build a business like that if you're one of those people. And if he's that hardworking to get to this point in his life, I, that's the kind of guy I want because I'm not to say Mitch was not hardworking or, you know, whatever. I just think that this guy's personality based on everything he's had in his life happen to him up until now, he had to have been aggressive, you know what I mean? Yeah. And had that sort of like go-getter mentality to get here. And I think that'll serve him really well if he combines that with his work ethic, which I presume he has as well, again, for all the reasons I said, then, that's what that those are more reasons I'm I'm really excited about Palenka. Forget trust the process, ladies and gentlemen. Trust the Palenka. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about Magic Johnson for a sec. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. And just because he made a lot of comments today and a lot of them, like I've been alluding to, have made a ton of sense, including him just finally taking responsibility and bucking up and saying, look, I'm going to be judged starting now and I'm ready to take on that judgment and be held responsible for the moves I'm about to make and credit the dude for being aggressive, for showing direction. And I have nothing but praise for magic right now, which is incredible. I can't believe I could, yeah. I'm saying this, yeah. but honestly, no, it just starts with having direction, right? This is all we've wanted for 
a long time now. Just some sort of, you know, pathway, clear pathway, clear vision. And for the first time, he's given us that in the span of eight hours. Like, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Um, So I have to give it up to Magic Johnson. He did a great job during his media circuit, whatever he did today, not only pumping up Lou's trade value by saying stuff like, oh, I hope Lou, Lou definitely deserves six men of the year. Wink, wink. Anybody else who wants to throw in last minute trade offers. And then also just talking up, yeah, what he plans to do with this organization, how he plans to bring in people who know exactly what they're doing while also on his own accord, learning about this stuff as well. And then on top of it, I think the biggest thing just goes back to him owning up to his position now and knowing that all of his moves are going to be judged from here on out and being fine with that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I guess what, what are your thoughts on Magic's comments? Because usually they've left us, you know, moaning and groaning at how ridiculous they are sometimes. And uh, today it just seems like, you know, he'll still have those canned responses where he'll throw out some flashy words like, oh, PER and analytics and new wave, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm at least very encouraged, regardless of the lip service that he gives, that it seems like he does want this genuine direction for the Lakers to be fresh new takes, flash the progress, etc., etc. He said as much in terms of, like, this is not about showtime anymore. We're talking about a new era. And I think he's getting all of this from Golden State Warriors, right? Light light years. And that's a good model to follow, you know? Less about... Lakers exceptionalism, less about Lakers legacy, even though this is what this podcast is about. Obviously, you can use that as a supplement to help you into the future. But now I feel like Magic sort of gets it in terms of melding the two so that we can move forward at a faster pace than we have been instead of trudging through and like only getting around to things once it's painfully obvious that we're behind the times. You know what I mean? So it seems like Magic, even with his outdated cliche talk, at least understands, hey, we've been the laughing stock of the league for, for too long, and that's because we've been dated in the way that we've been thinking. And now I want to get on top of that by hiring young guys who at least, you know, have a finger to the pulse of the NBA. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Magic's comments? And are you surprised at how exemplary or, like, praiseworthy you've been of him today? I am surprised because, like you, I was like... This guy, every time he speaks, I like cringe. Like I follow him on Twitter, which I'm sure a lot of you guys do. And ever since he became uh, a part owner, I mean, this all contributed to his purred happy, purred happily reputation, right? <laughs> but ever since he became a part owner of the Dodgers as well, and much more involved with that organization, you should see, I mean, I'm sure you have, but the tweets that this guy, I'm not even like a baseball guy. Like I'm not it's super into baseball or I don't know the you know nuances of the game, but the thing this guy t- tweets about the Dodgers are just cringeworthy. It's like Clayton Kershaw. What a great player. He's the best. You know what I mean? After like, it's super weird stuff. It's like encouraging, I guess, but he'll say things that are extremely obvious with no substance. Um, and I guess the fear is always like, okay, well, yeah, this guy is just from that 80s Showtime era, and he doesn't actually know anything about how basketball works nowadays, and he's just like the front office version of Byron Scott, and like clearly he failed as a coach, so like he's going to fail as a GM. These were all thoughts I had, right? And and after listening to him today, because he did a lot of interviews, it was like he was on Sportsnet, he was on 710, um, he was doing, he did like a local LA reporters uh, press conference and in between that <laughs> traded Lou Williams. But, uh, uh, you know, he was doing a lot of different interviews and I he was being pretty candid in some of them. And I, and I started to realize maybe this isn't like 
Magic Johnson is just a complete buffoon, maybe he has like a bit of tact, you know, like he is going to say things that sound good in the media. Like he, he, the first thing he said, like, he's like, I'm not going to talk about any players, but by the way, we have many offers for Lou Williams. <laughs> he's a great player and it's going to take a really, really good right. offer for us to get rid of him. You know what I mean? It's like little things like that. It's like, you could read that literally and be like, Oh, this guy's so dumb. Like, <laughs> he, he just said that he's not going to say anything about players. And then he just said something about a player and you could get like annoyed by that. And that's fair. But at the same time, that's kind of what we want him to be doing. You know what I mean? Like not all the time. We don't want him to be out there like marketing Brandon Ingram or D'Angelo Russell and to other teams. And like when D'Angelo Russell isn't for hypothetically, this is not like a current fact, but two years from now, D'Angelo is known to be on the trade block and and uh, we don't want magic on ESPN talking about how he's like the next John Stockton or something, you know, like something stupid like that. But it, it seems like magic actually has come to terms and like both of them, like they it, it seems like they are very in tune with all of the criticism of them of. And when I say them, I mean him and Jeannie Buss. They're not living in a bubble. You know, they they know that people are saying, Jeannie, you're stuck in the 80s. Magic, you're stuck in the 80s. Things are different now. You can't do things the same. You got to try X, Y, and Z. Like, you got to – let's get some people who have fresh minds. And for Magic to have, like, the self-awareness to say, I'm not from, you know, the modern era, but I want to get guys who are so they can help me. And for Jeannie to say, we're not going back to Showtime. This is a new era and we're moving forward. Like, all this stuff is – so encouraging to me not because of what they're saying because people could say anything but because when you say something like that it suggests how in tune you are with how critic like everyone's criticism you know who didn't say stuff like this byron scott byron scott was hired and immediately came in and said we're not shooting (laughs) any threes i don't care i don't care what anybody else is doing i grew up with smash mouth basketball we're playing smash mouth basketball and that can still win and like completely out of touch with everybody in the media, the fans, you know, everybody just completely crucifying this guy never wavered. (laughs) He was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put myself in this little bubble. Oh, trade deadlines coming along. I'm going to go on vacation to go play golf for four (laughs) days in a row. I'm not going to pay attention to anything that's going on. Like I just put myself in my bubble. This is how guys from the eighties do it. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're moving away from that and into this new era, it feels like, where Magic Johnson, as pert happily-ish as he sounded before, is now like, hey, guys, just give me a shot. Like, I know I say things from time to time. I'm not a complete idiot. All this stuff about analytics, extremely important. Like, although Mitch gave us this huge spiel about how we're going to move forward with analytics, we haven't really heard much about how that's been playing out. You know, it's like... Are we actually, do we have a legitimate department in the same sense that other teams do? Or is it pretty much Luke and Jesse, you know, relying on the numbers to try to figure it out on the fly? Um, We don't know about that stuff. Um, So if he's saying like analytics are important, we're playing the new style of basketball. This is a new era. It's not, we're not going to win next year. We're not going to mortgage our future by trading all our assets. It suggests that he, like, you know, you don't learn something like this overnight. You know, Jeannie didn't sit him in a room with his eyes like, you know, taped open and like, hey, you got to watch this video over and over where I say don't trade. No, don't trade young assets. Don't say this. Don't say this. Like this is a guy who's who's wanted this job for the last 15 Mm -hmm. years, pretty much. 
and you know thought he might actually have a chance of getting it before Jerry Buss decided to go with his son uh, Jim, or at least move in that direction. Um, and you can bet that he has been thinking about this. Maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but he's at least been thinking about it part of the time over the last several years. What would I do? What would I do? How would I react? And I don't know. I, I just I'm pretty encouraged by all of this. So so yeah, I, I was shocked to answer your original question. I was shocked that I've <laughs> I've changed this much in my opinion, but no, me too. And as quickly as all these moves have happened, I think our sentiments have changed just as drastically. And it's amazing. And I do feel a sense of, I think, even regardless of, you know, how fast they would, all of, all of this has happened. The thing that we were hung up on again was just the timing and how bad it was. And like in the midst of all this stuff, that's what we were hung up on. But really, I think we were all in agreement. It was time for a change. You know, we've been talking about how We've had an entire podcast talking about Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss's foibles over the last few years, you know, and we pretty much talked about how the Mozgov and Dang signings were panic moves. And we've, we hear now that those are probably the nails in their coffins, essentially. Um, people are, might want to talk about the DeMarcus Cousins thing, but I think actually the more, right. the more accurate thing is probably those free agent signings that, you know, unfortunately Magic and Rob Palinka now have to navigate around. You know what I mean? Um, but... No, I, I agree with you totally. I am somehow, some way, very optimistic about Magic Johnson now. And so far, I, I might even go so far as to say that Magic might be purred happily on the outside, but could he also be Francis Underwood on the inside? Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe this whole time he's just had like, and I'm not going to give him too much credit. Sure. Um but yeah, it's like maybe maybe he is like he just has tact and he's like, oh, I'm just pandering to the masses and I'm supposed to be this flashy smile, charismatic guy. So I'm just going to say, you know, like super generic things. So I don't offend anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, and that's and but like deep down, he has all these like complex thoughts that we just we we never gave him. You know what I mean? I mean, wouldn't it be so amazing and so conniving that at this point everybody that this is like the long play right that people call the long play where all this time magic is like i'm just gonna act dumb af (laughs) to make people think that i have no smarts whatsoever people are gonna think they're gonna be able to take advantage of me in trades and whatever but now once i'm actually the head of basketball operations I'm going to use that to my advantage. It's almost like his poker face, like his eternal poker face, when really he knows what he's doing, kind of. Obviously, we're not going to give him that much of credit, like you said, but it's just funny that he can, if he wants to, let's say he's not even as smart as we're talking about, but if he wants to, he can also all of a sudden make a shift and use his perceived dumbness to his advantage now, which is kind of funny. Um, So yeah, I don't think people were expecting us to be as exemplary and glowing <laughs> as we, I mean, we weren't expecting it. I was not <laughs> expecting myself to feel this way about but it. Hey, yeah. magic. That's magic. Ta-da. Like it <laughs> happens just like that, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, I am excited for the newness and the freshness of this new direction that we're going in. It is a brand new day. Literally. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. More so than anything, though, it's just a breath of fresh air, right? Uh, we, we didn't want to keep on talking about Mitch and Jim, and they've done a great job over the years. We uh, Also, we, we forgot to mention John Black. That was kind of a shocker, right? Losing uh, our – what was John Black's position again? He was our public relations guy, right? PR, yeah. He was the head of our PR. So I like at first I was kind of shocked, but then I was like apparently um, – 
people were shocked in the sense that this was uh, a change after 25 years that he's had this job. But uh, I guess I read I read around that like when teams go overgo like massive front office, um, you know, overhauls, then the new front office regime likes to sometimes bring in their own PR guys that they're more comfortable with. And uh, I guess that was, that was sort of the motive here. I'm sure it's nothing against John black. He did a great job. I, we, I used to see him. I mean, we all saw him when we went to the Laker games. He was always there walking around, had a smile on his face, having a good time. So uh, it's, I guess it sucks. I mean, we didn't know him personally. It seems like a lot of people are sad that he's, that he's gone, but um, you know, it's, it is, it is what it is. It's a business. And we've just, we've had the same general front office structure for so long. It hasn't really changed. So there's been no need to get rid of John Black, but we had a change now. And, you know, maybe Polinka and Magic are going to have their own guy they prefer. So. Yep. Agree. And the timing of this now, like we've been saying, obviously seems to be the most perfect actually, because now we head into the end of this season, presumably under Tankapalooza. Um, and we might have another top lotto pick from there. We're heading into the 2017 draft. And if we do retain our pick, who knows what happens, right? I guess in your opinion, uh, based off of everything Magic has said, and this is something we didn't mention actually when we're talking about his quotes, but one of the most promising quotes obviously was he said, the untouchables on this team are the young guys for now. We know that it's going to take more than one or two years. It's going to take some time. And we're willing to see that through and really trust the process, so to say. And those are encouraging things for Magic because... The, mo- the biggest thing that people feared with Magic was that he was just going to trade everybody for Paul George. The inst- yeah, exactly. Yeah, the instant he became the head. And luckily he didn't do that. He made the obvious move that we were all asking for, Lou Williams. I guess my question to you is, do you agree that... I mean, it's, I think it's been reported that Mitch and Jim were using this DeMarcus Cousins thing as a last-ditch effort to save their jobs. And credit to them, actually, for not throwing Brandon Ingram into that trade, even if they may have thought that that would have saved their job. You know, they did us one last solid, I guess, in that respect, because Mitch was handling the discussions and was like, hey, for the long-term future of this franchise, it's not the best thing to include Brandon Ingram in this deal, regardless of how much Jim wanted it to happen. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there are some contradictory things regarding that report anyways, because I don't think Magic even wanted to give up Brandon Ingram as well. Mm -hmm. And seeing as to what the Kings got, which is nothing for DeMarcus Cousins. It was the smart and right move for the Lakers, Mitch, Jim, Magic, to not give up any of the core young guys outside of Jordan Clarkson and maybe Julius Randle. So do you agree that that's the reason why Mitch and Jim lost their job? Or was it really just a combination of all the recent things that have been going on and just the dysfunction, the staleness, and then also the Mozgov and Dan contracts. I think it's definitely a hundred percent a combination of, of everything that's been going on, not just, you know, the last few weeks, but the last few seasons. Yeah. Um, Mitch and Jim were on their last legs. I mean, Jim self-imposed his three-year deadline, you know, to the point where if you read, and I'm not really a guy who gets super into these like smear articles that, you know, I think I think Ramona wrote this one for ESPN and she's usually pretty good. And I feel like she's actually in on the gym stuff. Maybe it was Kevin Dang, actually. But yep. one of them one of them wrote an article and it talked about how like they asked Jim at first, like, OK, well, objectively to, for us to make an objective assi- uh, assessment on you. Uh, or regarding your performance, how long do you need? And Jim apparently said one year, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then like he amended that to three years and then started going out on the radio saying, if I, I, I'm giving myself this deadline, if I don't have the team competing for a championship in three years, 
or, you know, for a Western Conference championship in the next three years, then I'm out. And he was so overconfident. But again, it suggests like he was caught in that old era. I don't want to get too much into that again. Yeah. But um, I think it, it had to do with all of those reasons. I think if they were able to land Boogie, it might have save their jobs but the reason they were fired was not because they couldn't land boogie yeah you know if that makes sense like it's like i think genie was not expecting to get boogie it's like if you shock her and come out of this trade deadline getting boogie and like another player and giving up no young assets then maybe she'll like seriously think twice about what she's doing but at the same time i think the plan all along was to just like boogie was like regard like just pretend those talks didn't happen at all any one way or the other um and they would have been fired anyway. That's my opinion. Yeah, and Ramona Shelburne is actually now reporting that the Lakers were so confident in their ability to land a first-round pick for Lou that they offered that pick in discussions for DeMarcus Cousins, which makes sense. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of thought that, I mean, actually. Yeah, it was weird, but I guess I sort of assumed they were doing that the whole time. Yeah, for sure. So I guess along those same lines to close the show out, do you anticipate the Lakers making any additional moves? Like, are they going to package that pick for another player potentially? Are they going to package that pick with Mozgov or Dang to try and unload their contracts, which is going to be a heavy, hefty, hefty task to undertake? I don't think any team is going to do that. But where do you see this going? Or do you think Magic is just going to stand pat for now, knowing that he's done all the moves he needs to do to quell the masses and have this lasting positive feeling into the end of the season leading up into the draft. Because I think that he's pretty much done all we wanted him to do at this point. And if I were magic, I would just leave it right here. Make sure I don't screw anything up at this point because you're already ahead of the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And continue to use the rest of this season to fill out the rest of your staff, get a concrete plan together for free agency this summer, and then most importantly, the draft, right? When the draft happens, I can't tell you definitively whether or not we're going to keep that pick. You know what I mean? I can't say that definitively. Like we... if we might, if we keep the top uh, top three pick, we could very much package that for Paul George or Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't think we're going to gut our team to do that. And getting that top three pick does a lot, actually, because then we actually have, regardless of how many young assets we give up, we're still going to have guys available to surround those Paul George, Jimmy Butler, et cetera, et cetera. It wouldn't be like if right. we traded all those guys this trade deadline and we're literally left with just D'Angelo Russell or Brandon Ingram, you know? So if we do right. keep that pick, who knows what happens? Magic might keep that pick and go along with the flash, the progress, trust the process, young development thing. Or he very might well just try and trade for a star and then along with free agency, we might try and get another guy. But uh, I guess for you, what are your opinions on where you see this going? Do you think he stands pat for now and just waits it out till the end of the season? So I don't know. I think it's a little complicated. I think he's definitely going to be thinking. I mean, I don't think he's like, okay, well, I, I, I do think he thinks probably, okay, I made a trade to quell the masses. That's good. I don't think he's thinking now that I did that, I'm not going to do anything else. I think if the right trade comes along involving that pick, he might do it for this reason. If we keep the number two pick or sorry, the top three pick, which I'm assuming is going to be number two because we always get that pick. uh, We're do we really need the number 27? It's like at some at some point you have to it's nice to have the assets. But once you draft that guy, if you can't trade that pick on on draft night, that's a guaranteed contract, and you're stuck with that, okay? Um, and if we don't keep the uh, top three pick, we're going to have, like, the number 33 or 34 pick because we're going to have the third or fourth worst record in the NBA. Yeah. Um, 
So it's like how much and like if the Houston pick ends up being number 27, it's like how much do we really need to jump like six spots in the draft, you know, like for a pick we already have. So one thing I was thinking was like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's going to become available. All I know is we have Tarek Black who's expiring. We have Jose Calderon who's expiring. Um, we have that's $13 million of expiring contract. We have uh, the first round pick now. Like I'm not saying that, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to move that for a veteran long-term veteran, but I don't know, you know, um, some teams are starting to make some of their veterans available. Like not to say we would trade for any of these guys, but Wilson Chandler became available. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, um, Danilo Gallinari became available. Teams like that looking to move those types of guys are going to want expiring contracts back. And they're going to want to pick as well. And if we have all of those things to offer all of a sudden, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I kind of think we maybe we package a bunch of expirings to do something like, like that. Maybe we find a team who's like, Send us your horrible. Co- we really we're so desperate to get into this first round, yep. and we have a ton of cap space. Send us your horrible contract and your first round pick, and we will take on that contract. And I I know Luol Deng and Mozgov, their contracts are like so horrendous <laughs> that I really can't see that happening. Only because it's like they're so bad that it's not even worth the first round pick compensation, at least in my opinion. But again, there might be a team out there who's like, look. We're so deep below the cap and we're going to be again next year and we're not going to be a free agency player and we need a veteran center or a veteran um, uh, wing slash a small ball four. And that's fine. It's an overpay, but we'll take them and we'll also take your pick. In that case, maybe they get tempted to just move the pick they just got to shed that salary, which I would also not be opposed. Yeah, that would take a miracle, but you never know. Like you said, the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban have already said they're willing to do that for draft picks. I think the Dallas Mavericks, their pick this year is top seven protected, which is kind of iffy and strange because they're kind of winning as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But if they lose their pick, you know, they might just want any sort of first round pick. So at that point, who knows what happens? Um But outside of that, because it is a new regime, and this is like what happens whenever you have newness, right? You can think of multiple ways they could go about this, where in the past, we would never think of Mitch Kupchak, even during the draft, to trade any one of our newly drafted guys, right? But let's say that Rob Palinka, Ryan West, Jesse Buss, etc. are as forward-thinking as we hope they are. What if this draft, if we don't keep our top three pick, they decide that they really like a prospect? I wouldn't pass this new. I wouldn't put it past this new regime to be like, all right, Julius Randle, he's been okay, he's shown promise, but we also have to make a decision on him in two years, and we might have to pay him around eighteen to twenty million dollars. Do we want to keep him or do we want to trade him and package him with the number twenty seventh pick to maybe get a number ten or number twelve pick in this deep draft yeah. for a player that we like it better than him, like Jonathan Isaac, right? I wouldn't right. put it past this new regime to all of a sudden do that and think that be that forward thinking. So just keep that in mind. This is what happens anytime you're able to make a shakeup like this. Because if, if this were Mitch and Jim, I'd almost say there's no way they're going to trade Randall. No, there's no way. But that's what, and that almost gets back to what I was talking about, the aggressiveness. You know what I mean? Palinka, another reason added to the many list of many reasons I, I'm excited about him. 
he's very in tune with this new class because part of his job description is I have to aggressively scout this class and figure out what players I want to represent and then figure out how I'm going to market them when I represent them. Um, so if Palinka is willing to pull a trigger on a trade like that, I can, I have faith that he will make an aggressive move on draft night. Did you ever get the sense on draft night that although we used to speculate all the time on this podcast, like, Oh, maybe they'll do something like, like you just said, Randall and package the pick and move up or, you know, so-and-so in our second round pick and try to move into the late first round. You just <laughs> never really got the, the sense that they were actually going to do that because Mitch was so wishy-washy and like, Oh, I don't know. It, it always felt like they were hesitating and and that's why it always felt like they hesitated their their way into only making really obvious moves and nothing else. Right. They were very risk averse. And every time we'd throw out those hypotheticals, we were acting like we were Sam Hinkie and we're like, oh, we can just consolidate assets here and then get back this yeah. asset. And it would, it would never actually happen. But now with Rob Palinka, you could envision a, a pathway where that could actually happen. Right. And hopefully he's that forward thinking. So, yeah, I'm very encouraged. There's a bunch of different angles we could go, but for now we should just settle in here. Just be happy with the fact that it seems like we have a new direction. We're headed that way. And at least at the very least, it seems like magic has a plan, which is not something that we could have said as early as last week. So right. there we are. Probably more news is going to come out. I don't know what, I think this is it for us regarding the trade deadline. I mean, Uncle P might still be dealt for a second rounder. Who knows? Tarek Black is still out there. You know, we might have a deal for him just to free up a roster spot, bring in Larry Sanders, et cetera, et cetera. But with regards to any other big moves, I think this is it for us. Uh, This is it for me emotionally. This has only been one day. We've still got Wednesday and then half of Thursday to go before this trade deadline is over. I mean, we barely even talked about DeMarcus Cousins, but, you know, this is today was a Lakers land kind of day. We were number one on SportsCenter. We were the number one headline news the entire day. And, yeah, all I can say is I'm encouraged. I'm ready for Flash the Progress. I'm ready for newness, fresh takes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, do you have anything else to say, Tommy? Uh, No, I think we covered it. Um, But I think, yeah, it's going to be exciting for the rest of the year. All I have to say is all aboard the Magic School Bus. Doot, doot. (laughs) If anybody's ever watched Magic School Bus on PBS, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, It's on Netflix now. Oh, it is? Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. (laughs) All right, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, uh, the more the more times Rob Polenka will gaze into the eyes of opposing <laughs> GMs and force them to trade us their best player. Yes, that is our new plan of attack, everybody. <laughs> Rob Polenka's beauty. There we go. <laughs> All right, we will catch you guys later, Tommy. Later. All right, peace. It's lit. If you think trains will stop if they see a car on the tracks, you're right, they will. About a mile after they hit you.
In 2015 alone, 230 people were killed at railroad crossings. Don't become the next fatality. Stop. Trains can't. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more cake! Even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.